what's wrong with me? <laughs> All right, good morning. Okay, so next week is a week off because of the holiday. So you have two weeks to do your, oh, there's Steve. Is Rebecca with you? Oh, she she's lagging. Well, we'll, we'll be praying for that little heathen. We'll pray for her. <laughs> I'm glad y'all are doing well and have recovered. That's a good news. Um, it seems like everybody in this room, we're sharing the, these little viruses going around. So pretty soon we'll all be healthy and back on our feet again, right? <laughs> Everyone's recovering nicely though. So there you go. Okay, um, we, di I, we did forget one other announcement before I dig in here to the homework stuff. Um, we're, we are asking for suggestions about what you would like to study after Revelation. I realize we've got a full year plus in this study yet, part three and four yet after part two, but because we have to reserve rooms and we have to let the church, we have to get you know, things going. It, it, um, administratively, we have to know far out. So think on it. We do have for the first study, we can actually pick a couple. The first study has to hit within an 11 week time constraint. Okay. So we want to be done with it. The reason is, is we always take a very long break at around Thanksgiving and Christmas because everyone's life gets really, really busy, right? Um, either we're traveling or we're having holiday parties and people are coming in and you all are having me to all your Christmas parties this year because I'm healthy this year. <laughs> so because we're so busy, we're gonna, we're, we will take off. We'll, the last day we meet is the Monday before Thanksgiving. And then we'll be off until the first week in January. Is it the first week? It might be anyway, it'll be in January. You'll know later. So we have to get an 11 week uh, course in right at the end of this revelation for next year, just before the holiday break. And then, then we can also decide on something longer term after that, whatever your little hearts desire. I'm happy to go there. I've probably taught pretty much everything, but I'm happy to teach it again. Um, so y'all think on that and pray on that. What, see where you think the Lord wants you to go and what you need to have for equipping. Okay. Cause I love everything in God's word and I do not care what I teach. It will all be good, whatever we pick. So let me know what you're thinking. Okay. Um, there's no wrong answer most of the time. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay, so Columbus Day, and you have a holiday off. And today we will be doing, as a special treat, the visual of art called um, uh, Revelation Illustrated. And it's going to do basically just what you did, but the whole video is taking every one of those chapters and showing it to you through an artist who's actually an artist. And she's fantastic. And she's this particular lady, I need to look up her name again, but she is was so generous when she she gave me um copies of all of the artwork um they're just photocopies they're not printable but beautiful pictures look at these pictures can you all see these on uh, in the video there hold on a second let me open it up here like these are the pictures that she's done so we're going to be seeing things like that when we do this video so for those of you who want to stay after we do discussion, stay for the video because the video is fantastic. Okay. All right. Now, last week, 
we covered the the second pass through on our overview of revelations we completed the visual part of it um we talked last week at the opening about what does anybody remember in the, the opening devotional time i've forgotten myself what i did now and it was so good i did i read it was really good anyway it doesn't matter but here, here's oh i remember it was about god letting us in on his plans right Abraham, he's our, we're God's friend, and therefore he tells us all things. I knew it would come to me. All right. <laughs> Just have to wait on my brain long enough to catch up with everything else. So I'm going to read one more thing to you this morning, one verse just to chew on as we are going through this, but it follows, it's really a nice follow-up. The reason I'm making it one verse is because we got so much to cover, but here's what God says. Think on this one, considering all that you looked at this week. Then the Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah chapter one, verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen wealth for I am watching over my word to perform it. I love that. I, I listened to a great uh, lesson this morning by John Barnett. And he was talking about how God's hand is over everything. And he went through like, like I like to do he went through many examples of just how god orchestrates and how he allows things to happen but that he is in his throne room and when he said that i went that's right in line with what we did he is sitting on his throne he is the sovereign the almighty the one who is who was and who is to come and he nothing misses his attention and one of the things he said i got tickled that was he was talking about job and he says yeah he said did you notice that when uh satan came before god's throne in the book of job job is not the one that uh or, yeah job is not the one that was brought up before satan god brought him up <laughs> it's like hey satan have you noticed my servant job and i'm like just don't leave leave me out of that conversation <laughs> But, but his point was, even through all the things that God took Job, you know, God was orchestrating it. He was allowing so much and he was withholding so much. And he sustained Job through the whole thing. And in the end, what was the outcome? It was just this glorious picture of the sovereignty of God sitting on his throne, orchestrating. He, doesn't, he says he doesn't sit back on that throne, kick his feet up and eat popcorn and just watch. He is actually engaged. If you all want to listen to that uh, video, I posted it on my Facebook page. It's online. So you can go there. It's the very last one I posted it this morning before I left the house. So you can go in and listen to that. Okay. So now let's dive into homework this week. This week, we are going through the book of, uh, of Revelation again, the whole, the totality of it for the purpose of looking to see how the seals and trumpets this week, just seals and trumpets. We went through the first half. Do some of you guys go, what, what? We're stopping. We're not all the way through the trumpets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But we got through all the seals and half the first uh, four of the trumpets. And what we're looking for this time through in our third overview into this book is to see how one thing relates to another, uh, how the sequential order is. And, and is there a cause and effect of things? as we're looking at this as well. So that's what we're doing this weekend. The purpose for that again is last time you drew the pictures out of each chapter so that you would pay attention to all the details positionally, where are things occurring in the heavens, on the earth, 
who's having an effect upon who, what colors were they, what was the representation maybe of certain stones or certain colors that were presented or um, crowns on heads and all those things imagery wise have a message right to convey to us. So that was last week and this week, the very first week, all we did was go through and just uh, get our first blush through, take a stab at titling our chapters. But that was just a good read through marking a few key words, just kind of getting things warmed up. But every time we go through it, we're doing it from a different angle. It's going to be it's going to be like a stone, you know, how to, a stone and it reflects things from different angles. That's really what we're doing in part. Uh, part two of Revelation. It's an overview, an overview, and an overview. We're going to keep doing those until we get thoroughly through this book. Um, it's quite necessary in a book like Revelation, if you haven't figured that out already, most of us already have. Um, there are so many challenges, and, and I can also tell you that even after we're completely done with the year and a half curriculum that we go through in this particular uh, book of Revelation, we still will have omitted and left behind and never even treaded through some of the cross-references that I think are really interesting to see how they relate, how they fill in the picture even more. It's just, you know, it's an exhaustive thing. And that's the one thing about God's word. You never really get it, it, it all. We can talk about this until doomsday, doomsday, which is a good day for us. <laughs> and we still won't have really uh, exhausted it because God is living, you know, it's, it's fresh living water. And every day we learn something new. So we're going to do our very best in our very feeble abilities, but we're going to do our best to get as much as, out of this as we can today. Okay. So your work was to start with was to go back through those chapters four through eight, correct? And you were to, again, mark keywords. I'm looking for, I don't see it. Hold on a second. Okay, of course, every time I come into this classroom, my nose drips. I do not know why. There's something in the building. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Or I'm allergic to all of you. No. It's just that. Or both. That's probably the mold. And I think it's something in the AC that blows down on me, gets my nose going. Okay, so now with that little detour, sorry. Um, what we want to do is talk about just very briefly uh, that chapter four uh, that we did some uh, observations on. Um, I had told you that when you did chapter four, anything you marked, you need to make um, a, a keyword list on it, right? So you were to mark certain words in chapter four and five, and then you should be making lists on them. Even though she didn't tell you in the homework, she simply said, make your list. But did anybody take the time to go through and, and make lists on the different keywords? Yay, good for you. Good, I'm glad for those of you who actually listen. My kids don't even listen to me. What's that about? Okay, of course they're grown. Um, what did you come away with that you did not, maybe had not noticed before the first time through? Are, are there any special insights in chapter four that just spoke to you and you'd really like to have a moment to share those? Did any of you do keyword studies, do cross-referencing, do trying to connect thoughts or, no? Th these are so cool. 
listen, the imagery in that chapter four and five is spectacular. And if you didn't notice, there's so much symbolics in there. Um, when you look at things like, for instance, on those four living creatures, why are there four? And, and it says, and they each had something. So that they're in, in this particular representation, although in one of the other books of the Bible, you see them actually as one beast with four faces on each side. This one, each one of them is their own independent beast. And did you notice that later on, these four living creatures take part in the, uh, in the uh, unfolding of these seals, which I think is really cool. And you get to learn even more about them just in that little bit of a statement you see there. But the, there are four of them. Do you, do you know what symbolically the number four is about? It's the number of creation. So if you did not, how many of you marked the word creature and creation in chapter four? Good. Uh, Annette, what did you see in there? Or I'm sorry, Amanda. I'm looking at the wrong person. Did you see, you said you did. I saw you nod your head. Yeah. Oh, okay, so when you, if you take the time to kind of connect all these pieces, there's some symbolics with the eyes. What, what are eyes symbolic of in scripture when you get in imagery? What you can see, obviously, but what it, what is it? Yeah, the, the eyes of the Lord, and in this case, yes. And what is the symbolism in that? Omnipresence. Okay, but it's really about omniscience, uh, the fact that he's that they're all knowing and all seeing, right? Okay, so they, they has the symbolics of knowledge and wisdom when they're when it's talking about eyes. Did you see on the on these animals they have many eyes? All right. What about um, the number six? They had six wings. Do you know what six is symbolic of? I thought this was very interesting. You need to do a lot of research and reading to kind of tie this in. But six is symbolic of who? Man. And specifically concerning man, what? What did man do in the Garden of Eden? Fall, his fall. This basically it's about sin, about rebellion. So these are eight, these symbolic messages behind what's going on with these four living creatures is very interesting. And I'd like you, I'm going to make a challenge because you got a couple of weeks. Next week, when you have time to do extra work, go in and compare what you see about these four living creatures between chapter four and five. And there's a list. Remember, I just got through telling you the number four is the, is the picture for um, creation, right? But there's a distinction in the way. So therefore, every time you see something about something that represents creation, generally there'll be four quarters to it or four pictures to it, okay? When you see three, what do you know that's symbolic of? Com completion or wholeness or, right. All right, and so in five, cre the creation is mentioned in two different lists, but the first list is short by one point. And I want you to go in and look at that and, dis and discern in your mind, Think on it, ponder on it, meditate on it. Why is it short? Why does it not have four things mentioned, but it only has three things mentioned? You're going to see what I'm, what I'm saying when you go in there and look at it. Pardon? Yeah, and where it says the four living creatures are before the, the, the throne. In 5.13, uh, it says every created thing, which is, where is it? 
in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, and on the sea, right? It's mentioned again in chapter five. I want you to find it, and I want you to see how the list is different, and then I want you to ponder as to why you think it's different, okay? Just for extra homework, because I like to pile it on, <laughs> okay? Okay, in, in Revelation 5.13, open up and take a look there. It says, every created thing which is, and do you see where? You've got a simple list within the text. Remember how I've always said, when you see a simple list, you do one, two, just write in the text, just number them, one, two, three. Well, what happens is you see there's four. What is four representative of? Creation. So here you have a clue then about what the four living creatures are representative of. There's four of them, right? Ah, and, and uh, if I had time, I would teach you a whole lesson on that. I wish I had time. Because I made a list. When I made my list, I went, oh, there's different. Oh, the number. I went on this case, I, I have, I Googled last, way back on part one. I had Googled and looked for a sheet that would give me some ideas about what numbers in scripture represent. And so I have a whole sheet somewhere in here and it, it just tells me symbolically these things can mean these things. Now, different people will have a different uh, bent on it slightly. So you can look around, look at two or three different ones and kind of, and then the ones that you say are not wacky. You know, sometimes you'll find a wacky one, but if, if they look right to you, then go ahead and just, you know, print it off and tuck it into your, oh, I remember where I put it. I have a special place here I call um, odds and ends. Hold on. Extras. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Numerology and scripture. Uh, the only thing is numerology, if you do it that way, you can get some weird things. I, I personally put numbers and their representation in scripture. That's how I titled it. In order to not go into numerology, which would be worldly. I, and I was very specific to add the word in the Bible or in scripture, because that way you get something usually that is Christian analysis. On here it says number one is absolute singleness. Here, O Lord, the Lord our God, he is one. Okay, that, number two symbolizes the witness and the support. Number three uh, signifies completion or perfection. Four uh, relates to the earth, organized world, and it's, it's also talks about organization, by the way. If I had time, I would teach this whole lesson, but I don't have time. So anyway, th that's what you can do to get that kind of a list. And then how I knew where to go from there was because I made my list, as you can see, and I did this all again. So here I have three pages of lists and they're very lengthy, right? There's a, quite a lot on these lists. Yep, <laughs> I know. Uh, the four living creatures, the rainbow, the 24 elders, that's on my three, that's on this one. I, I did those three lists. And then on my first list, I did God, the throne and worship. And then I did word studies on things that were specific to that. Now, I'm not telling you guys all this because I, I want to make you feel bad about what, what you did or didn't get done. I'm just saying 
this is how you go that extra measure to get the, the depth. And I also know that basically teachers, the te those with gifts of knowledge, profit, um, pretty much, or word of wisdom, those kinds of people are going to be the people who really dig this stuff out. Usually the rest, they're more uh, looking for different applications. They're looking at ways they can serve. We all have our bent and it's all good. Okay, so don't forget that and don't ever feel like you have to measure up to my standard. But I am here to teach you the method of doing inductive work. So by my demonstrating to you what I have done, I'm helping you to see what is possible. And also so that you understand, how did she get all that? How did she know that? How did she see that? How did she notice that? Well, it started by list making. M mark your keywords and make your list. Once I made my list, I went, oh, I should do word studies. Okay, I went and did word studies. As I did word studies, I found cross-references because sometimes they're even right there in your word studies, right? I end up in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and sometimes in the New Testament as well. And so as you do that, you start expounding your insight. And all of a sudden, then I went, oh, I wonder if these numbers symbolize something and so then I went and looked at my numer my numerology which is numbers in scripture and she said what do those symbolically stand for what might those mean and when I saw that the four living creatures four the number four represents creation and then when I looked at what it is and then I have another cross-reference in Genesis I would I would love to have time to take you to but all those things tie together to say that God has a deep message in that chapter one about who he is as he sits on that throne. And what his, one of the things that you can also draw from it is where he opens chapter four and he says, and after these things, well, we know that's part of the segment division. Yes. Chapter one, verse 19, where it says, John, write these three things. The third one is these things which shall take place after these things, meaning the church message. So after the message to the church, after that church age, then comes these other events that are going to occur. But also in that it is, and it says, which must, what? Take place. And I thought, why must they take place? And when you look at what is said, the very first statement there in that chapter four, it's all about God being on his throne. What do you say when you do, when you did your segment or your paragraphs, did you do your paragraph? Did you take a stab at it after I sh showed you that last week? Okay. We see verse one, John is simply called up to heaven and that shows you location. He's now in the heavenly realm, right? What happens in verse two to seven all depends on whether or not you're going to catch it is all depending on whether or not you're looking at the prepositional phrases there. Do you see all the prepositional phrases sitting on the throne, around the throne, in verse four, again, around the throne, verse five, out of the throne, before the throne, verse six, before the throne, and in the center and around the throne. Uh, wait, and then once you go toward the end, it picks it up again, too, and it says in um, 10, uh, before the throne. Okay, so if you've noticed those, what does that tell you? What does that alone tell you is going on in chapter four? Around the throne, before the throne, in front of the throne. The, yes, that is God that's the center. And if the four living beings represent creation, and who are the 24 elders? We don't have time, but think about just off the top of your head, we know they're what? people right okay even if that's all we discover talking about people the four living 
creatures which represent creation. Now, God's on his throne, before the throne, in the center. Uh, he's the focus. What is that chapter about? God on his throne. And how does it conclude in verse 8 all the way through 10? What's going on there? The creation is doing what? Worshiping God. Whoa. That's just from doing worse, I know. Isn't it cool? I wish I had time to really teach it because there's a lot. I mean, I have so, I have really, I've got three pages of notes here that I could go through. So with that, put to the side now, that whet your appetite. I hope that'll encourage you because think about it. Chapter four is the beginning of the throne scene, correct? What, it, what comes next is chapter five. Oh, very good. Four, then five. Excellent. I don't remember that part. I'm so sorry. I can't recall. But if it doesn't, at some point, there will be a point where I'll slip in as much as I can to try to teach you. Because I, I would love to take you to some of the Old Testament verses, and especially about those four living beings and the, the rainbow around what that all is significant of, and that it's green. Why might it be green like an emerald? What are the four living beings representing? creation and what color makes you think of creation green i mean really it's just phenomenal when you really dig it all out it's awesome okay and there's more than that i'm sure uh, that was my bent this week okay all right so now let's dive in and let's talk about what we saw this week on our seals at the first four of the trumpets okay so all we are doing today is the most simplest of points so there's no complication and there's really no interpretation all we're looking for is how things relate to one another what the order is of, of things okay so let's let's start with the first seal and tell me what you see is going on in that first seal what's the very first thing you see about that that first seal the, the lamb opens the book, okay? And when he opens the book, what is seeing? What is the seal about? A white horse. So let's get that up here. It's a white horse. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is so cool. So yes, the four living creatures are present. So the very first thing I did with mine down here, see, I'm going to put it down here. This is who speaks this? The first living creature. And he says, come. Okay, that's very interesting. The living creature does what? He speaks. <laughs> That makes you think of a joke, doesn't it? Oh, he speaks. That's going to be in chapter 6, verse 1. I guess I should open my page so that if you ask me that again, I actually have it. Okay, so then I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say, uh, with, uh, with a voice of thunder, come. Okay, so we see the first living creature says this, he says, come. And what does he see? He sees a white horse. That's the first thing he sees there. What do we learn about that, uh, the rest of the picture in that? Let's just note some of the points that we learned about that. Okay, he has a bow and it says he who sat on it, he, so he's sitting on it. 
he who sat on it had a bow, okay? And there you go, and a crown was given to him. So I'm gonna make a little picture here of a crown. It, and how did he get this crown? It was given to him. Very interesting. Um, and what did he do with this authority that was given to him, this crown? Okay, so the result was he went out conquering. Okay, so that's in 6-2, and, and this was 6-1. Okay, pretty good. Any thoughts on any of that at this point? Any other insights that you saw that I, we were missing here? That's interesting. So there's another thing you might want to take time to do is go back and look. Each of these colors, what are they symbolic of? You got to look that one up. I think um, I call it the was given and then how many times was given is in these. And so I actually went back and circled all of my was given. Was given. Very good. That's a great there's idea, a Kristen. Giving, whereas a lot of people getting things. Right, right. It is, it is significant as to how he receives things because sometimes it, it is seized, right? Mm -hmm. Or they attack in rage or um, maybe they, in this case, though, it was given to him. So what might a question be for you and I? Who to him? Where did he get this from? And who is this person on this white horse? Who else comes on a white horse, by the way? Jesus does. Very interesting. When he comes on his white horse, where do we see that? Do you remember which chapter? 19, chapter 19, verse 11. Memorize that one because that one is the best verse in the whole book. <laughs> he comes as king of kings and lord of lords and he comes on a white horse. And what does he come for? To do what? War, to wage war. So he's on a white horse to wage war. Okay, and in this case, we see him on a white horse. This power was given to him, and what does he go do with it? Conquering. So what kind of conquering is this? And who is this person on this white horse? Yeah, very interesting. And I don't know what that means either. Does anybody have a clue? If not, let's do some research on that and see what, what the deal is about a bow. Also, you know, if, if, here's, a, here's one more little uh, thought to keep in your mind when you're looking at some of these symbolisms too, is symbolically a bow to you and I today might mean one thing, but what did it mean at the time it was given, the message was given? What was a bow used for in the days when this was written, okay? All right, so that's our first one. First, you'll one down. <laughs> Next one, let's just follow the same pattern. The second seal, what do we have? Again, okay, let's get that on there. We got the second living being. Oh, creature. 
don't change the words on me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And what does that imply to you? Now, how many living creatures are there? How many times are the living creatures mentioned in four times? So what does that tell you? Probably each one had a part in this. I, I also think that there's a little bit of a message in that too. When you think about God's created beings, even in the heavenly realm among the angels and other things, right? Uh, but including us, when God created us, what did he do once he created us? He placed us in the garden, gave us what to do, work. And also in the spiritual realm, what are we are, uh, supposed to be doing? Working, right? So we're working for kingdom work. We also have work on the earth to do. So what does that tell you about God and his design purpose for his created beings? he has work for us to do he engages us so when you think of the four living beings having been introduced the fact that they're being put to to engage in god's work remember it really goes right back to what i said about abraham he tells abraham he says you are my friend and i'm informing you about the things i'm doing and i'm also engaging you in the things that I am doing. I'm not leaving you in the dark. You don't, the day is not going to come upon you as if, as if it's sudden and unexpected, you're going to be aware of it. And by the way, then what are we supposed to be doing as we wait for that day? Working for him, for his kingdom in particular, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to things being random. Right. The whole, oh, we just came from primordial ooze or whatever, and there is no purpose. Right. There's a very different worldview. When you think about um, the threat, we're going to go back to chapter four. It's really on my mind this morning. Chapter 24 and the 24 elders before the throne. How, how are they in that throne room? How do they appear there? There's... They're around the throne, right? And there's a de designated number, right? And if you think about the Old Testament and uh, the 24 elders of the Old Testament too, God called them, he designated them, gave them a design purpose. Again, we're back to order. Everything has order and decisive purpose in it. So there's nothing, even in, the, even in that beautiful picture in that throne room in chapter four, nothing is in disarray. Everything has a design purpose and function, and there's orderliness to it. That's why your children love rules. They think they don't, but they really do. Us grandmas know that especially well, right? <laughs> and the 24 elders are seated. Yes. And wearing crowns. crowns. And you need to look up that word for crowns and compare it to the crowns when Jesus has a crown, too. There's a distinction. It's very cool. Standing, yes. Okay, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that one. Standing in heaven. So the lamb, the ones, and it's who? Yeah, yes, it's God on the throne. That's exactly right. And then in chapter five, you see Christ comes in there. By the way, what shows up in both chapter three 
are a four and five besides God, the father, who else is there? The Holy spirit. Did you notice in chapter five, he shows up again, the Holy spirit. So again, what do you see then at the center of that throne? God and what is going on? Everything is worshiping. What is present? Orderliness, design function, specific designations of roles and purposes and function. It's just a beautiful picture. Okay, so the second seal, we see what? A red horse. Okay, so did you, you like my little horse? I'm showing you how you can draw a horse that is so easy anybody can draw. <laughs> yes, those are, those are ears and that's a tail. <laughs> I know my horse is very cute, but it works <laughs> and it's very fast. <laughs> it's an H with a head on it and that's it. Two little ears. Okay, so red horse. And then what does it say uh, about this uh, one on the red horse? Again, him who sat on it. was granted, again, there's that permission, was granted uh, to take peace from the earth. And I'm cutting the, these down a lot in order to make it, this fit up here, <laughs> okay? And what else happens? Yeah, men will slay one another. Okay, and a great sword. What do you think that means? First, it was given to him again, right? We see that. That's in six four, uh, but it was a great sword. What what might be the impression that you get off that? Big, powerful. Okay. So, how much damage are we talking? A great sword, right? So it's it's not a small. It's probably then not going to be something more like a small. Like we know there's wars going on all over the world. Sometimes though we don't even hear about them, do we? Until maybe later, and we find out there was a genocide, and we didn't even know it happened because our news didn't tell us, right? So, but this is going to be something different. It's going to be a great sword. It, that gives me the impression that it's not going to be done in darkness or hidden from us it's going to be something that globally is going to be known and and seen and heard of and recognized okay i wonder you know the first two seals say that they went out and they were not given the first one went out in verse two and then the, the, the red horse also went out hmm. okay hold on what well it yeah it means it went forth it went out it went to do it 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 implies a deliberate action right that there's a determined purpose behind it i kind of envisioned it as 
living creature says, come, here comes this horse, then whatever is going to be given to them is given to them, and then they go do what they're mm -hmm, supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But I think it's going to be even cooler is once we come to recognize through other cross-referencing and other studies as we move on is who gives the, the power and who grants it to them. And it's also going to depend on who do we think these these horses are, who is the man that sits on these horses, right? You have to figure out who. For sure. Well, I mean, the first one says, he went out conquering. Who's he conquering? Well, but I mean, the second one is for sure. For sure. Well, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. But in the living creatures, when they said come, weren't they speaking to John? No. What do you think? Do you tell me? When the four living creatures, now listen to the wording on this. I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals and I heard, now who's I? John. I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a, a voice of thunder, come. And when, when they said come, he, then he says, I looked and behold what? A white horse. So what was the response to the four living creatures say, come? The horse appears. So who is he? Yeah, the horse. Come. Yes. Because remember what's happening here is we saw in the throne room in chapter five concerning the seals that are being broken right now. Who is it that's breaking them? The lamb is. And, who, and um, what else did we learn about the breaking of that seal who could who couldn't all that kind of thing what did you learn he was the only one worthy as a matter of fact the angel stood in that room that throne room and said i look he was weeping there was no one who could and why not go back to five and tell me why not no one was worthy what makes him worthy how did he overcome what did he do to overcome and what did he overcome? Okay, death. How do you know that? Yes, there you go. When you start making your list on this in chapter five, you start connecting. What is it that made him, uh, Jesus, worthy to open that book? His, his death on the cross. The fact that he was slain. And also, not just the fact that he was slain, but that by his blood, what? He purchased for God men. Yes, to make us king. Exactly. So when you think of the, the bigger picture of Revelation on the whole, what is the ultimate goal? What is the conclusion of this? What happens at the end? God's kingdom comes. And what happens with us? We get given, remember in chapter 20, what, what do we do? We sit on thrones, right? The very first part of that chapter four, I think it's in verse four of 20, out of 19, we see us coming with Jesus. He who comes, I love that, 1911, he comes king of kings and lord of lords, and who follows with him? His bride, right? And then it says, and then we sat on thrones, and who else sits on those thrones? Those who had been beheaded or slain for and they had not taken what the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead so it's the saints who come with them it's also the tribulation saints who have died and and um 
been redeemed. And here it says it. It says, you have purchased for God with your blood men from where? Now notice this again. Take a, take a look, number this. Get your pencil out and number this. This is a simple list. Who? Men from tribe, tongue, people, nation. What does four represent? Creation. All of the humanities created. Yes. Oh, good. We'll wait for you. Yes, the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four. Why? And it, it shows that the totality of the creation in humanity in this case. It's for salvation for who? Men. Right. You don't see this salvation, by the way. Who's not listed here as receiving salvation? Animals and angels. Yeah, right. Nothing. The grass, the trees, nothing. Only thing that receives salvation by the blood is who? Man. Isn't that interesting? So when he mentions here, who, who did he purchase? Men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Now, do you suppose that if God intended for angels to be a part of the creation, would he have mentioned angels in this list that he had purchased with his blood? Yeah. And since he didn't, as a matter of fact, there's another verse that says he did not give help to the angels. That's in Hebrews, but he gave it to men, right? Hebrews chapter two, I think. Okay. All right. Testing my brain this morning. Okay. Uh, okay. So this was all given to him. It was granted for him to slay. A great sword was given to him, right? He re and he, uh, peace was taken from the earth. So what does that mean in totality? If peace was taken from the earth, what was the result? War. War. I better write that with a different color though, because it's not in the text in that way. I just want to make sure you understand that we conclude that, right? That war. So if he went out conquering and now we see the one who went out conquering, what was the consequence of it? What followed it? War. <laughs> Okay, um, okay, verse, or, or the third um, seal, the third seal is broken. Now we have the third, what? Living creature. And what did he say? Is there a repeated theme here? <laughs> oh, their only job, your job, angel? You, your job, just go stand there and say, come, four living creatures, rather. Go, say, come. That's all you have to do. Come. Oh, I can learn that line. <laughs> come. The amen and the, yeah, you are worthy. <laughs> Teresa, yep, that's a longer one. You got to memorize. <laughs> okay, the third seal. What do we see? A black horse. Isn't it funny, though, when you get here? All the work you've done all week long, and now here you, you, you get it all put up on the board in, <laughs> in just one little chart. Yeah, that's a beautiful chart, by the way. I love your horses. If it's in heaven, it's purple, and if it's earth, it's brown, and then this is like very good. See, I do the same thing. I'll have to show you mine because since we're doing show and tell, yeah. I, I actually didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do mine that way, but I, here's mine. Same thing. 
when it's all done, you have all of these. So, and I put it on three sheets to make it simple and I can lay them out like this to look at them one, two, three. And the same thing, there you go. Then it's all long. Yes, that's a great idea. That will work. Okay, so show and tell then. Let's move back. Okay, tell me what we see on that black horse. Okay, so again, he who sat on it, he had a pair of scales, had a pair of scales in his what? In his hand. Now, the, this one was a little different. It just said he had. He had it. So when he appeared, he already had it. He had it in his hand um, and he had a pair of scales. Now, then what else do you learn about that particular one? Okay, the voice speaks and then what is, and what is said about, now this voice speaking, who do you think the voice speaking would be? Could be the Lord or could be Angel, the lamb could be angel, could be four living creatures, could be, <laughs> we don't, we're not sure at this point for, for right now. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit fuzzy. Uh, do you think it's uh, significant though, who the voice is? Is that more important than what the voice is saying? Yeah. So sometimes you just have to let things go because if you don't know and it doesn't tell you clearly, um, I do think that sometimes you can follow a flow of thought and the logic is going to be there for you to figure out who you think it is. Um, but I don't try not to be too dogmatic on the ones that are not super clear because it's certainly not that significant. What's really important, on the, we're on the um, third seal. He broke this, in, when he, he who? Jesus broke the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice. So we know it's not Jesus because I heard something like a voice. He'd already heard the voice of the Lord. He'd already heard the voice of the four living creatures. So you see how I'm using just logic. Like a voice. Something like a voice. What does the word like mean? Something similar, but not. Oh, that's true. I never noticed that one. It says what? Around it. You're right. So it could be him or it could be the Holy Spirit, right? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I just hadn't picked up on that. See, see, you could still miss stuff no matter how many times you do this. Voice in the center of the four living creatures saying. Well, the other thing is he's giving a command. What is he commanding? Right. And what does he say about the wheat? A denarius. And what, and what is a denarius? A day's wage. For those of us who have been around a while, we already know that. But otherwise, you would need to 
research that. Okay, so he says a quart for a denarius. And three yeah. for a for the barley and one um a quarter and three quarts of barley. I heard something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a scale and they measured everything out by this, by a scale, scale, yeah. Yep. This is gonna be fun when we get to go back and look at it a little bit more carefully, but sometimes, again, we may not get a full picture of it, but guess what we will know when we see it happen. If, if we're here to see it, we're not gonna be, but if we're here, to, <laughs> that's my opinion. Um, I uh, obviously, I have a pre-rapture, view of things. I believe that we are gone before. Now, if you don't, it's okay. Either, I mean, I'm not going to, we should, we don't need to part ways on how we interpret that part of it. What we do know is in the end, we are saved and we know that we are not harmed, right? But by the things that we see in here, it says, however, Christians who come into faith during the tribulation, some of them will die and they will die for their faith, right? I, and I, I believe that's not us. I think there's a lot of scriptures to support that. But in any event, um, there are some things that we just kind of have to take a stab at for now, because when will you have a full understanding of them? After it happens, right? So sometimes you have to kind of let a few things just kind of slide for now. So we've got a quart for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. In other words, um, and then it says, and he says, do not harm what i wonder what that's about the oil and the wine i think that's very interesting okay and for me that would be not necessarily helpful though because okay all right so that's the third one the third horse now let's move to the fourth we got a lot more to get up here what do we have up here? An ashen horse or a pale horse. You can look at that. I've also seen it uh, described as a dappled horse. So, I mean, you can see it in a variety of ways. Okay, and concerning that horse, what I think is interesting though about it is, what do you see as the distinction between these horses? Yes, he does. He, he brings one with him. Actually, what is the distinction there? It says, he who sat on it had what? He who sat on it had You guys have to help me. I can't read and write too. Had the name death. Okay, and Hades followed, was following. Why do you think that is? Is there a cause and effect here that we need to pay attention to? Well, the miners, 
uh, yeah, I think maybe. Rest in peace. Right? So if he who sat on it had the name death, then obviously the idea of Hades following is interesting. Oh, you guys, come. I want to just, I want to dig into all this. Why Hades? Who, who goes to Hades? Unbelievers. Because where do believers go? Absent from the body? Present with the Lord. Huh? That's right. Well, in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we go to present with the Lord now, right? Because Hades, the, the place of the bosom of Abraham is emptied out. Jesus brought us with him when he resurrected, right? He, we ascended with him. So this is a good little insight right here. If you think this one through and say, okay, wait a minute, death is there, but what follows him is Hades. So the message in this is for whom? Um, for the unbelievers, primarily. That's where the focus is here. Okay. So we got death and Hades follows with him. And what else is we, what are we told about? Oh my gosh, that table. <laughs> Steve, what are you doing back there? <laughs> I'm, that table didn't get locked. Holy moly, that was a scary little moment. Be careful, there's uh, coffee and, or water or something on the floor. So you don't want your bag to get in it. Yeah. Why don't you get here? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to make sure we all knew. Steve is here today. <laughs> His table collapsed by uh, the, the legs on it just collapsed under. Of course, everything on the table went too. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> Poor guy. Well, Steve, Steve, if you quit falling asleep on your table, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> See, that wakes you up, doesn't it? Are you okay down there? We need a mop in this room, don't we? Oh, that's good. We should you should send them a bill. <laughs> Mopping. <laughs> okay, so authority was given. Again, there's that word given, right? I'm glad you're okay though. And it says it was given him over how much? One fourth of the earth. Now, this is interesting. So I had the rest in peace, and here's my little earth. Okay, you see my world. And if you're going to have a world, but only a quarter of it does he get, right? And those will be filled with sword, famine, pestilence, wild and wild. Yeah. I'm curious as to... The quarter, is it going to be isolated to a segment or is it going to be a quarter but dispersed? It doesn't say, but I'm curious to see how that's going to be. But do you see how I drew that very simple? I mean, and just, just to make the quarter so that when I look at my page, you see it quickly. And it helps you come to an immediate conclusion pretty much on it. And I drew my little rest in peace 
tombstone. So I, I see right away on my page, death, okay? could be or it could be dispersed right i drew it this way because it gives us the specific one quarter measurement and that just gives me that picture right off the bat but it could be Mm -hmm. it becomes problematic. Yep. That's why visually I'm just doing it that way. It's a quarter of the earth. It's just to help me remember it's a quarter of the earth. And so I gave, I gave it, that's my sim, that's for me that you don't have to use it. I'm just helping you guys have ideas. But if you wanted to think about authority was given to him over a quarter of the earth, there's my picture. <laughs> and how that works out, I threw out the fact it could be dispersed throughout or it could be isolated to an area, it doesn't say, but it just helps us to visualize it, okay? Uh huh. Over the earth. Uh, of the earth, yeah, okay. To kill, and then it goes on to list, with sword, with pestilence, with famine, by wild beasts of the earth, right? Okay, so you can put all those details on your list if you want. I'm gonna skip it for now because I don't have room. Yep, and this is the fourth. Uh-uh. Yes, isn't that interesting? There's your four. So here's what's really cool. Once you start paying attention to all the numer, the, the number symbolisms and things, once you learn them, kind of, you'll start, it'll start popping in your mind. You won't even have to think about it. But one of the things it will also do is it'll discipline you to start looking to make your simple lists. I want you to do that. I mean, it's a good discipline in, as an inductive student to do that because sometimes it points something out to you that you otherwise would miss. In this case, in a book of imagery, the entire book is imagery, right? It's a vision. And since there's all this imagery, every little piece of imagery probably has a message behind it. I'll bet there's messages I haven't picked up on and neither have you yet, right? So pay attention to those little things. Do a little bit of research. Do think it would be valuable for you when you're looking for your list on what do numbers represent in scripture, get two or three different sources, resources on that and compare how they say things. And you will, I trust that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to know which ones are quacks and that it does, I mean, I hate to say it that way. That sounds nasty. I don't mean to be mean, but there are sometimes you think how did they even come up with that right you just wonder and if they don't back it up with some kind of scriptural example so you can see it clearly and you know they've stayed in context and they've really pulled it out right that's the the great thing about doing this method you're learning how to accurately handle the word of truth how to discern things that you pull out of it by adding in what is the context what is the author's purpose what do these things symbolically mean and don't ever forget first use of a word in scripture. 
back in chapter one, uh, chapter four with God on his throne and what was around his throne, a rainbow. And we talked about the green maybe having a symbolic message to us. What is a rainbow? What is the message in that? And okay, for those of us who did covenant, what do we know? It's a sign of a covenant, right? And when was the first mention of a rainbow? Go back and look at it. Awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Authority given to him over a quarter of the earth to kill. And then it, it gives us a long list with sword, with pestilence, with famine, and by wild beasts of the earth. Okay. So that's in 6.8. Okay. Good. Let's go to the next one. Five. Are you ready? Yeah. Maybe you can just tilt it. Maybe you can just... I'm glad you didn't. Yes, I think they can. And you'll get, uh, well, okay, she'll take a picture. Oh, I'll have to write neater now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. The fifth seal. Now, this is interesting. What do you see happens after the first four living creatures have given their, their message come? And four times we see what appear? horses. So those two things give us continuity, correct? But what is the distinction in those horses? Yes. What is the other obvious distinction of these horses? The color, <laughs> the color. Well, the rider, of course, but the color is the first point I wanted to make. And when you look at the, um, the colors, might that have a message as well? And we don't know. We haven't had time to really research that, but that's something else to look at. Okay, now we move to the fifth one. What do we see changes now? We're in heaven. So we went from the earth where these horses were riding and these men were doing things upon the earth. Now we move to the heavenly realm. So let's write that on here. Earth. Earth, Earth, and Earth. <laughs> Have you ever heard you can't see the tree for the forest? That was my problem there. I was too close. Okay, and now we are where? Heaven. Can you see how important that is to pay attention to? So now you've moved from the earth to the heaven. You've lost your horses. You've lost your four living beings. Those are no longer being mentioned as repetitiveness, right? So in that case, you see a flow of thought here, but then you hit this piece in heaven. Now tell me what we see there in heaven. Where, what is the significant location in heaven? Where are they? Okay, under the altar now there's a question for you what altar right are there any clues um okay let's read it the lamb broke the fifth seal i saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of god and because of the testimony which they had maintained they cried out with a loud voice saying how long O lord holy and true will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood blood on those who dwell on the earth and there was given to each of them a white robe and they were told that they should rest for a little while 
until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were would be killed, even as they had been, would also be completed. So at this point, we don't really have a clue as to what that altar is, right? Did you mark altar as a key word by chance? If you didn't, I would. Or at least make a small list in the on the column on the side. And you might want to begin to, to, to develop your list on the altar because I think at some point you're, you may get some identifying markers as to what altar it's speaking of, okay? All right. So um, under the altar, what do we see happening? Okay, the souls. And that, how are they identified? Is, uh -huh. slain for I'm just going to put God I'm going to short really shorten it okay <laughs> those who have been slain for God basically right six nine okay and what else do we know they are crying out and what are they saying and when you see this word crying out what do you think of Yes, crying out. And how, what is the emotion you're also seeing? They're upset. They're sad. They're distressed. They're, there's an anxiety there in it to, to some degree, right? They're crying out, Lord, how long? Have you ever had children sit in the backseat? How long until we get there, right? <laughs> That's, this is the backseat. <laughs> and they're saying, God, how long? <laughs> right? Okay. Yes. Yes. They are killing and avenging. Yeah. Yeah. And who's doing the killing in those? Now, who's allowing it is God for sure. So indirectly, everything gets go back go to God in that in that way. But particularly for this, let's hold on. Let's discuss that flow of thought in a little bit. Let's let's get the rest of these few up here and we'll do a flow of thought here. Okay. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Refrain from judging. So they know the judging is coming. And then the, what's the answer to them? Rest for a little while longer. Until what? Until the number of your fellow brethren or uh, uh, fellow workers or brethren. How does it say that? Your fellow brethren. Until they are what? Until what? They have to be killed also in the same way. But so in other words, it's future tense. There's going to be more that are going to be killed just like they were. There's still killing of saints going on. Until the number of their fellow sir. Yes, that's really interesting. Again, a specific number given to him. So what do we again back to concerning God? order and just and determined amount right so it's got a, it's all in god's plan um all right so he says how long will you refrain from judging our what 
judging and avenging us about our concerning our blood, right? All right, I had to really shorten that, so I didn't get the whole sentence on there. I just don't have room to get it all up here. That's in 610, though, so you know back where to go back and look at that. And they're told, wait a little while longer. Wait, they're given white robes. This is interesting. Okay, now these are saints, obviously, right? They're already in heaven. And now they're given white robes. What is that about? Uh, it doesn't say that part yet, but it could be. Some of them could be, for sure. Because some could have died during some of these earlier seals, right? But it's also who else is in heaven? The apostles, the ancient believers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? You and me, hopefully, right? So whoever these souls are, they're representative. They're underneath the altar. They're crying out to God, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood upon those who shed our blood, right? Basically is what that's saying. Um, it almost sounds like it's a different spot because under the altar are the souls of those slain, not necessarily those that just died in the sea. Right. In a way, it does sound like there's a designated group who get some kind of a special category. So we already have a robe of righteousness, but apparently, do you think this is a different kind of event? Because obviously we do. We, we have been given, Jesus says in the first letters to the churches, buy from me, right? And those who, but, but he also says, those who buy from me will be granted to walk with me, where? In the kingdom to come, right? Dressed how? In white robes. So it's almost like there's a symbolism that goes on about the white robes. One has to do with the righteousness that's imputed to us through uh, salvation, but there also seems to be an additional white robe of some kind, and there must be some symbolic picture in that. Is there any other event that you know of where we are dressed and made ready in this book? For the bride, for the wedding of the bride. Remember later it says, and, she, and it has been granted to her, in is it, was that chapter 19, before the bride comes on the white horses with Jesus? Am I right on that? And it says it was granted to her to do what? She's made herself ready, right? And dressed properly. So just think on all that. Right? They are, have gone through this. Maybe. And they've been slaughtered. Yes, maybe. At least for sure, any in here for sure, but but there's also some even before. Have there ever been in previous history? Yeah, there's people right now. Listen, we just had an entire congregation in Afghanistan, underground church, literally beheaded. Yeah, the they had the, there was a pastor I listened to. Which one was it? Can't remember his name. Anyway, he was talking about. Uh, oh, it was JD. 
No, it wasn't J.D. Frog. It was someone else. Anyway, he was he was saying that he had an email come in and this woman was part of this underground and she was typing to him an email and sent it as they were breaking down her door. And she said, I can hear the cries of the people outside. They are being beheaded. They had found the underground uh, uh, church through what was done through our administration, giving out information to our enemies. And because they had a list, they knew exactly who to go for. And they killed the entire underground Christian church in Afghanistan. Yeah, they are. So that was my point. That was why I was telling the story. <laughs> because they are on, maybe they are these souls that have been beheaded for their the word of their testimony. That's my point. And also any maybe in here who have come into faith that are underneath the altar. So don't narrow it down so that it's only the revelation account and so it can only be in those seven years. This, these people underneath this altar can be from all history, okay, up to this point. All right, so, and it's given to them to, be, to put on white robes and I think that it's important to correlate that possibly with what's gonna happen in Revelation 19 where the bride has made herself ready. How has she made herself ready? She's, it was given to her to be dressed in white. All right, um, all right, so uh, souls given white robes and told to rest. This is really good stuff, you guys. Wait, and, and also a timeline, right? There's a clock. Wait, uh, um, yeah, a little while longer until, and then there's, there's another clock. So you should have clocks on all this. Now, until the number of your of others until the number of others are also i'm sh killed right in the same manner as you basically right so what we have here is let's put let's put up here we have them crying out how lord how long lord until you avenge our blood right and they're saying there's going to be others who are also going to be killed in the same manner correct considering the concerning their blood that's the fifth seal so let's go to the sixth one how am i doing on time i'm good okay uh the sixth seal okay good the sixth seal what do we see happen there uh, more we're back on the earth again all right so let's put that up here huh. now so in heaven, they're crying out how long until you avenge our blood. The next seal we see, the first thing we see is what? A great earthquake. earthquake. Okay. And I just use my earthquakes like this. I'm, I do a zigzaggy like that. So that's how I mark my earthquakes so that I can spot them quickly. So there's a great earthquake and stars are falling, right? Now that's interesting. If stars are falling, who's doing that? Who maintains the stars in the heaven right now? God. Who always, who else can maintain the stars in the heaven? No one. So if the stars are falling, even though it doesn't say they're being thrown down, what do you know? It's a deliberate 
action on the part of God. So a great earthquake, we see stars fall. What else do we see? Okay. So that's the stars. We have the sun, the moon, and other stars, right? Uh, are affected. We see, uh, that's how, that's how much I'm going to put up there. The sun, the moon, the stars, something bad. Okay. <laughs> Sky splits. I don't know what that means. Do you? Sky splits. How does the sky split? Well, I know I see lightning too, but usually if it means lightning, it says lightning. So it says lightning and thunder and all that stuff later on. But whatever it is, the sky was split apart. Now there's your climate change, baby. Now we can talk about pouring money into fixing that problem. Although I would say, good luck with that. <laughs> okay, so we see really rough things. And what is about the mountains? I just think this one blows my mind. Moves out of its place, right? Um, and then it says, then what? Kings of earth and great men. It just means everybody, basically. Anytime the, the scripture talks about great men or mighty men, okay, just think about what, how you've seen the context of that used before in the Old Testament. Okay, um, and what are, the, what are these great men doing? Hiding from who? From the presence of God. Wow, that's, and lamb. So they recognize from whence cometh these things. Yes. And you also see very quickly who, uh, upon whom the target is. Because you don't see the target of any of these being people who have faith, people who are following after the Lamb. It's not that they are not being affected, however, correct? But what is the point to not mentioning them? They're not the target. They're not the focus of God's wrath right oh are there good number tell me give me the list go ahead okay so seven and what does seven represent completion totality fullness all of them. <laughs> okay. All right. And then now here's a very big clue for you guys in case you're missing it. Men said, what did they said? Uh-huh. Before. Great. 
date of their wrath has come. Well, kind of, but they, they're just like, let the mountain fall on us and kill us because we want to be hidden from the presence of God. What they're seeing is this, this, I mean, really stars falling, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything's darkened. The sky is splitting. Every mountain is moving. Every island, everything is shifting. And they're like, just kill me now and remove me from the presence of God. But what? by them calling out and saying these men are saying this this is they are they are making a statement the great day of god's wrath has come so they're recognizing that the that the elements and the movement are in the skies and the heavens this is the work of who god and of the lamb so they're recognizing that right but who's saying it just so that you don't forget Men are saying this. Okay. Very interesting. Now the last one on the seals. What do we see come out? Yes, but let's get let's get the very the major because on the top. Did you notice we have a, a, a theme going? <laughs> we have a major title. We had a white horse, a red horse, a black horse, an ashen horse under the altar, a great earthquake. And then this one, the seventh seal, when it breaks, we're going to see seven angels given seven trumpets. Thank you. Good job. He's on board with my thinking. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So um, now it says there, and you're right, there was silence was silence in heaven. And it says about one half hour. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And then what happens? Huh? And I think it's very interesting where it says another angel not one of the seven but another another angel uh is given and what is she he given uh incense right to do what with to the prayers of the saints that's so cool. Did you know you have, your prayers are being kept in heaven? Now, and we're, we're on the altar. Oh, on the altar. So there's that word altar again. Altar. And then the next thing the, an the angel does is what? In 8.5. Angel through the fire to earth. So in other words, it's, there's a connection here between what happens before, right? Concerning, let's do it this way so you can see it. These are the prayers of the saints. He mixes them 
and then he with fire and throws them to the earth. Correct? Not the prayers are not thrown to the earth, but the the fire, right? I should have said the altar. Um, and the fire is thrown to the earth. Okay. But the prayers have been mixed in with this fire. So when the fire is thrown to the earth, in a way, it's the prayers being thrown down to the earth, right? And, and what followed? Thunder. Lightning. And another earthquake. We get a lot of earthquakes going on, don't we? That's an eight five. These were also eight five, I think. This one started eight one all the way up here. Uh huh. Yes. Right, but. But what is what is the cause and effect? what we're looking for is cause and effect of the things that are going on is you're looking at this. What caused the angel to take the incense from the fire and cast it to the earth? What was the catalyst that started that what propelled that whole activity? The prayers of the saints. Now think back. What, what was the prayer of the saints prior? How long, oh Lord? So here we have the prayers where they're saying, how long, oh Lord? Now we see the prayers of those saints on the altar there. They go, you're right, they go up to God. But again, what is that altar? Now we know the altar is an altar where fire is. It's an altar where, that is located where? Before the throne of God. So what altar are we speaking of? Well, there's probably two possibilities. But they both end up in the same place, too. The first one is which altar? The altar of, of burning of um, the sacrifice, right? And then the coals from that go where? To the altar of incense, where the incense is mixed with the ashes from the sacrifice, which goes back to who is worthy to open the book? Jesus. Why is he worthy? Because of his sacrifice. Isn't this a beautiful, are you starting to see the connection? How one thing flows to the, it's very, very cool. All right. Um, so let's just do that real quick. Let's just go back and talk through what we see on cause and effect through the first seven to begin with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There, there is a parenthesis in the middle. Okay, I forgot to add. Thank you for reminding me. There's a question that's posed. After they say the great day of their wrath has come, then there's a nice big fat question asked. What does it say? Who is able to stand? Okay, then you go to chapter what? Seven. Seven. So what do you think the relationship is from that question with chapter seven? Aha, that's the answer. 
isn't that cool? Because it bugged me for the longest time. Why that chapter seven? Why a parenthesis? Why? I mean, I couldn't quite figure it out. But what's going on here is they ask this question. They first of all, these men have said, oh, the great day of the wrath has come. Well, we're going to have to figure out whether or not the great day of the wrath has actually come at that point or not. But men are, are saying it. And they're seeing all these horrible things happening and they're attributing it to God. They're recognizing who it is that's bringing these things. But then they follow it with, well, who is able to stand? And then what does God do? He shows who's going to be able to stand. And he gives us two distinctive groups, right? In chapter seven, in chapters, the first group is who? The 144,000. And how are they able to stand does he remove them does he take them out he marks them and later we're going to find out what that mark does for them right and then what is the second group the great multitude and where is the multitude they have been brought up to heaven and how did they get there we don't know but who are they but where do we know they stand before the lamb so are there is is there somebody who's able to stand? Who? Who? It has to be a believer. So if you want to be able to stand in this great and horrible day, if you happen to be a person who enters into it and have not yet come into faith, but now you do, how are you going to be able to endure it? Chapter 7 tells you. You're going to do it. Yes, isn't that interesting? Gosh, God just does the coolest things. It really is. I mean, there is so much to that. Okay, so let's see the cause and effect here. We see interesting here. He goes out conquering. And what is the result of conquering? War. What's the result of war? Well, what happened over here? What, do you, what would you call this if food becomes really, really expensive? Yes, you call this famine. So if, you are, if you're in war, what happens with war? What's the consequence of war in general? Usually is famine. And over here, what do we have? Death. Death. <laughs> Let's get the right color here. Famine leads to death. Are you seeing that now the, the, the progression of these events, at least from that perspective? Now, it's only one perspective, guys. We are doing it. This is little by little. We're going to lay these all on top of one another. We're going to see other things also later, probably. But for right now, what we're seeing is there seems to be a cause and effect that starts. What starts it is this one who comes out and a crown is given to him to conquer on the earth. And the result of his work is there's war, there is famine, and there is death, right? And, and uh, so the, here's our first cause and effect there. So, and then because there's death, what happens? What do we see in the next one? They cry out to God. People begin to cry out and say, how long, O oh Lord? Now, those, these are in the heavenly realm. So the ones that are going to cry out are who? The, the ones who are dead who are believers. Who doesn't cry out? What do they do in the next one? They cry out. They're going, hide me from God. So you see a contrast between this group and this group, don't you? 
So there's a, also a picture there of the one relationship to the other there. So I'm just gonna do this contrast of, of the souls under the all uh, uh, that are slain for God. And it's gonna be these men who cry out and they wanna hide from the presence of God, right? Men desire the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the presence of God. For men said, the great day of the wrath has come. Then they wonder who is able to stand. And the answer, chapter 7. Now we're ready to go on to chapter 8. Hallelujah. We've got three more to do. How much time have I got? 15 minutes. So not bad. I can do it. You can do it, right? Now we're back over here to the trumpets. Now, you good? Yep. Yep. If I get out of the way, they can. <laughs> okay. So now the first trumpet. So we, we're moving into the, um, the seventh seal, right? In chapter eight, because what, very interesting. Chapter seven gives us this little parentheses. We wonder what the world is that parentheses there. Well, now we kind of have figured out at least on one on one level, it's answering the question that was just posed at the close of the previous uh, seal, right? How long? Who is able to stand? He tells you in chapter seven. Then he picks back up with the seals in chapter eight and the, the, uh, the seventh seal. Oh, we already did it. Okay, there we go. Sorry, we did it. So now we're ready for the first trumpet in chapter eight. And what do you see going on in there? Okay, so we're back to earth. Where were we over here? Earth, right? Well, heaven to earth. Earth and up here was heaven. So I have to have my blue marker for that one so we get it right. I think it's very cool though. Think how much you've already figured out and just think of it. This is just the overview. Do you guys remember when we do small books like uh, epistles or whatever and you grumble through the whole thing? Will you ever grumble again? Never. Yes, <laughs> you'll remember the day you did 12 weeks of overview, not one week. <laughs> okay. Plot, but how often, I can remember particularly years ago, more so in my memory, but uh, I remember when I would f first come into a new scenario, early in my teaching years, uh, we moved every so many years because we were military. So like every three or four years, I had to start all over with a new group and retrain everybody it was, you know, just starting over, starting over. And one of the things I remember most distinctly told to me over and over by the, my students was how they would get at the end of a, a class and they would come to me and say, you know what? When we did that overview, I thought, how could we possibly learn anything more? And they thought, oh, I've got it all figured out. I already know it all. And then they get in there and they, they do the whole lesson, the whole 12-week course or 17-week course, whatever it was. And they go, I cannot believe I learned so much more. That's going to be the way this is. You think you're going to have this all figured out in, in the, the, this overview of these 12 weeks because 
really when we get this much done, think how much we have accomplished. We've seen major functions, we've seen purposes, we've seen placement, heaven of earth. We're beginning to see number identifications, how those play in. We're starting to see now order and sequence, how one thing relates to another. We're just, this is week one of this three week part. But I'm telling you, this is just the tip of the iceberg. When we start doing word studies and cross-referencing into the Old Testament, it's going to blow your mind. The whole word of God is just going to all come together. And people who have previously had a mindset, there's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament. No, it is it is what God promised and what he has fulfilled. It is the, the totality of God's thought. This is what he is, his plans. This is the rebellion to man. And this is God bringing man back into relationship with God. It is just a beautiful thing. Okay. Let's look at the trumpets here. Okay. The first trumpet, I guess I could do it with, let's just do it with this color here. Oh, I, I want my black, don't I? I think that'll be better. Stay. Here it is. Continuity here. Okay. First trumpet. What happened with our first trumpet? Hail. Hail. And fire. Mixed with what? Oh, there's that blood again. Let's mark it. So we see it. There's our blood. Mixed with blood. And what has happened to it? Thrown to the earth. And what happened to the earth? Earth and trees burned up. That's interesting. All grass. Okay, so with this one, are you seeing it as an isolated judgment or does it seem more global? Yeah, it says the whole earth, it does, but it could be like this, like where I drew the picture here. Is it just one spot on the earth or is it kind of spread out everywhere? Well, over here, it's very interesting because in this one, it's a third of the earth and the trees are burned up, but what? All grass. Now what has happened into that judgment? It's it, it is being effectual on the whole earth, right? So what does that probably tell you about this? It is probably global, right? And it kind of goes back to seven three where it says, "Don't harm the earth or the seed of the trees until we seal the bond service." Very good, good, good one. Okay, let's put that on here. Let's see seven. If you go to seven three, I'm just going to put it in parentheses. Seven three um, tells you um, probably global. And I'll just put a question mark so you can think on it, but that'll help you. Okay. All right. So that this one here tells us then all grass is burned up. What happens with the second one? Second trumpet. A great mountain burning with fire.
thrown into the sea. And then what's the result? One third of the sea becomes blood. Oh, there we go. Again, becomes blood. Okay, one third of creatures. And one third of ships. destroyed. Okay. Very good. So we got we have blood here and we also have blood here again. Now third trumpet. Okay, so this one was a uh, great star. Yeah, called Wormwood. Um, that's interesting. Interesting. This one identifies a star, but gives it also a name. So has anybody done any looking at that at all? Not yet? Okay, that's fine. Yes, it does. Okay. A great star named Wormwood. Um, one third of rivers and springs. And what happens to them? They become become bitter, many, I think that's interesting, men die. Now, it doesn't speak of blood, but it does speak of death. Yes, the drinkable waters, so, which is why probably what? Many men die, right? And then the fourth trumpet, we're on our last one. What is the cause and effect there? <laughs> yeah, yes. It's very interesting. You wonder how in the world that's going to happen, right? But one third of the sun, moon, and stars were struck. And then, uh, and became darkened, right? Does it say one third of the. Uh, Okay. All right. And then followed by an interesting statement for us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then why? Because of the remaining 
Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet. Trumpets, right? Which kind of is a clue. When you get it up here like this, you go, whoa, 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 because of the remaining blast of the trumpet, you go, okay, how many trumpets are left? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. It actually becomes pretty clear when you do it this way. You because you can you can and also what happens, we already know because we've been through it once. What happens after the uh what is it, the fifth trumpet sounds? The first woe is finished, right? So you begin to start seeing that pattern laid in there for you as you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I also, I, and I want y'all to pay attention too. Do you remember what they said at the altar? How long, O oh Lord, until you avenge our what? Blood. When the prayers then, are brought to the Lord, they're put at the altar, they're mixed with the with the uh, the incense and the fire on the earth, and they go up to the Lord, then they begin to cast them down. Then what begins to happen? Blood, 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 right? They begin to be blood. And here, if you've got the sun, the moon, and the stars struck, and your sunshine, your days of your hours of sunlight, yes. Oh, I, but, but, but your math is not my truth. So just saying, <laughs> I was being really, really mean. <laughs> okay. Yes. This, so are you starting now? The great thing about us having an extra week and also having had the, the opportunity this morning to do through, through these first, at least the beginning of them. Now you kind of know what you're looking for. Okay. And you're already beginning to see patterns. Now it's going to be pretty easy after this. You're going to start spotting things that you didn't pick up on before. Isn't that cool? You thought you had it all figured out when you drew all those pictures, right? But then in reality, it was, that was just the tip of the iceberg. So now we're looking for patterns and sequences and cause and effect. So if the prayer of the saints was how long until you begin to judge and avenging our blood although you had said well look at all these things isn't that blood it is but here now the prayers begin to be added into it now they're beginning to cast down and here we see blood 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 so it, it is just so cool when you begin to see the patterns of the cause and effect and how things are unfolding sequentially and what god says 
one of the things that's super important to pay attention to is this question or the statement here, the great day of their wrath has come, because that's one of the things that Kay had told you last week in your homework, pay close attention to that. You're going to be looking for the day when the day of God's wrath has come. At this point, do you know? You don't know for sure. That's right. It's it hasn't had, well, we have not heard a declarative statement except for the men who were hiding from God, <laughs> right? So it's about the, what is the source and from whose mouth did that statement come? It's going to make a determination as to when does that day of, of um, God's great, great wrath actually come. Now, would you say on the whole, all of those seven years are really wrath? They, yeah, they, they, are, they sure seem like wrath to us, but there is a designated day of wrath. And this is where you get so many of your different opinions as to when the rapture of the church occurs. And so that's where the conflicts and the confusion can come in for some people. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. All right, well, that was lovely. And we did it on time. Yay. Thank you. See you next, next two weeks from today. Huh?